0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 70th episode of Career Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Ahmed Duri. I don't think he needs any introduction, if any of you are listening or active in the art community. And um, he's an art, art instructor, concept artist, and YouTuber from Ohio, United States. Now, with that small introduction out of the way, could you please give us a little introduction on how you got into visual arts and design?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you for having me, by the way. Uh, let's see. I, I mean, I most, mostly what I would say is that, you know, I grew up always obsessed with art, comic books, Spider-Man, Batman, drawing, Power Rangers. And so, um, you know, I would pursue that a lot and I would take, I ended up taking it really seriously in high school, um, by getting a tablet, a Wacom tablet. It was like a big, not a big one. It was a small, I think it was called the, in, yeah, it was the Intuos two. Yeah. The Intuos two. And I would just try to learn how to paint by like copying things. And, um, I ended up actually going to a school for engineering, which was a horrible waste of time. And I was super depressed and I I dropped out because I was cutting class so I can go home and paint. Um, but I eventually pursued, um, art illustration, concept art, uh, first at a community college, then at another school and then eventually art center. Um, i'm in a bit of debt so i still have to pay for all that uh but but no it's good uh but yeah being inspired by what you can see you, what you can create from nothing and you know we all like to daydream and and kind of sit down and imagine worlds and i'm like i want to i want to have the skill set and the tools to be able to convey those worlds and so that's what got me into it
0: all right awesome and um we of course you already mentioned a bit about your origins of how we got into did art and design but the next question is were you originally studying art and design or were you pursuing another career path you already mentioned that you were studying you ha- you were in a engineering major but how did that happen like how was the initial fall like when you wanted to go to engineering like did you have like sparks of like oh. ideas of i want to go to art like how was it
1: well i mean i didn't when I was in high school, I had no idea what college really was. It wasn't explained to me. And it was sort of expected. Yeah. After high school, you pick a college, you go and you become a professional, you get a job. Uh, and I, you know, we didn't have YouTube or, or anything like that. We had some online forums and stuff, but you know, nothing like what we have today. So back then I was just lost and confused. And, you know, my parents are pressuring me to like, you know, you have to. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? What are you doing? And I couldn't say, I want to draw because there's really no clear evidence to say I can do this for a living. And so uh, computer science engineering was at the University of Toledo. I went there because my brother was going there for that. And we both were there at the same time. And uh, it was it was horrible. <laughs> I, I was so, so broken. Um, but then I, I think like halfway through the semester, I remember just being in the parking lot of the school and I was like, on the phone with my mom. I'm like, I can't do this. This is not, I, I I'm, I'm leaving. I'm done. This is not for me. Um, I'll figure something else out. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, and then like after another year of just suffering uh, back at home with my parents, um, going to community college, I eventually, actually I remember the specific story when I went, so the first school was like two hours away from home. When I moved back uh, home, like I I needed to do something. So I applied for a community college and it was just basic life drawing classes. I wouldn't even call them classes because there was no teaching. It was just, here's the thing, draw it. So, um, But I remember outside of the classroom, there was this big poster just uh, of art center, college of design, the school I've wanted to go to since the beginning, since I, since I discovered Craig Mullins and his painting skills and all that, I knew he went there. So I wanted to go there too, cause I want to know how he does what he does. And, uh, I remember like staying, standing outside of the classroom, just staring at that, like so sad that I'm not there. And I just, whatever, it's not going to happen. It's too expensive. It's too far away. My parents will never let me, um, but eventually, I went to another school that's un- also two hours away, but south this time uh, in Columbus for um, what's it, Columbus College of Art and Design. So for illustration, and it still wasn't what I wanted, but it was much cheaper than Art Center. And then I decided to take a semester off there to apply to Art Center and everything. I didn't think it would work out with like, you know, acceptance, scholarship and all that stuff. And eventually it did. And so... I ended up going to my dream school. And and then I graduated and I worked in the industry between then. And I had this opportunity to go back and teach. And so when I went back to teach before the semester started, we were in this conference room with the the administration and the teachers and the faculty. And we were for, for the new teachers. And we were going around introducing ourselves. And when it got to me, I was like, Hey, I'm Emmet Al And then I looked up at the at the wall, and it was the same poster that I was looking at like eight years ago in that community college. And just so I told that story to them, like you know, it's crazy that I'm here right now um, because that poster is what got me like inspired to be here. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: All right. Awesome. Actually, your story about um, being in an engineering major and suffering in that major is really relatable because I kind of had the same experience as well that Mm. I was an engineering major and it was just horrible because I loved like in my head since I was a kid I loved robots and spaceships and all that and I was like hmm maybe I should go I don't know maybe okay you go to college and you become a professional at something Mm, mechanical engineering is the nearest thing to that but I didn't know if the thing that I liked was a creative process of it not the you know, engineering part of it. You know, yeah. But and no one was there to tell me that or understand that. Mm-hmm. Like as a seventeen-year-old, like back in uh, my home country, Iran, basically any third-world country. If you tell your parents, most like that, you want to follow with the art. Half, most times you don't get the most supportive, like, answer and feedback. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, it was a kind of like long road for me to also realize that, hey, you should focus on visual arts and design, not that. Right. So, yeah, that's actually something common that I also had with a lot of artists uh, that I had on the podcast as well,
1: especially from our part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Middle Eastern, uh, (laughs) I guess. Expectation is architecture, doctor, lawyer, something that that you can buy a big house with, you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. To have financial stability, that like that's the first thing. Mm. Like, just be dead inside in that job, but it's good you have financial stability at least, you know. Right,
1: and I understand it from an extent. Exactly, our our countries, you know, for for a long time have been dealing with war. And so yeah. survival is priority, and mm. so this this mindset of no, do what it takes to survive and be secure. And then there's that mindset, and suddenly your child is saying, "I want to draw pictures." What <laughs> you know? And so uh, I, I can understand it, but things are different now.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, we already mentioned in the introduction that uh, you you're a concept artist, but the next question I want to go a bit more in depth. And the next question is, what is your main branch of design that you're focusing on right now? And tell us about your experience from the start of it until now.
1: Sure. Hmm. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I haven't done much art for myself in the last month or two because I've been building that, that course, which we can talk about later. But for me, I think um, for the longest time, I focused on painting people, faces, portraits, character designs. Uh, and I think maybe for the wrong reasons, for the most part, which is like, uh, offering something to the social media world saying, Hey, look at this thing that you all like, I can do it, give me money or whatever, um, or likes and attention. And so there was that, uh, MO for a while, but I think right now I'm, I'm curious, I'm more in a position of curiosity and what I want to pursue is, uh, maybe actually challenging myself for what if, if i had an environment design project for a potential hypothetical game what would i do and should i record that and make a whole course of it so now i'm just kind of thinking in terms of of uh, challenging things but i think the overall umbrella to that uh, question is that uh, world building I, I love this idea of world building uh tackling ideas uh, especially themes of uh you, you know i've, I've dived in a lot about mental health and therapy and, and thoughts of like self-worth and why we feel the way we feel, especially coming from warring countries. Um, you know, there's a lot of trauma that we're inherit that our parents inherit. So therefore we inherit. And I think we have a obligation to course correct that. And so I'm curious to explore that for myself and, uh, depict those things. And I did it a little bit with my inner demons project, but I want to kind of go a little further on topics such as, um, narcissism codependency uh you know um and i don't i don't like that it's called mental illness because it's more of just a a nervous system neurosis neurology situation uh how you know you're programmed by the traumas that you have and i I think i want to find a way to incorporate that with my storytelling
0: yeah, that's actually a really interesting idea. Now that you mentioned that, um, I've been recently also been contemplating and meditating on the subjects a lot. And mm. what I came to realize, and not to get too philosophical, by the way, and I don't want mm. to go on a rant, but they the, could. Whole, the that sounds mm. awesome, right? Yeah. Um, but the thing is that the core of most of our problems, each individual problems, not necessarily collective problems as a society, is it all stems from the ego. Yeah. And I think once some there will come a point in life in everyone's life that they kinda have an ego death, you know, to say the least. Yeah. And that and by that I mean they realize that they're not who they think they are. You mm-hmm. know? Like they're not this actual character with the name that they're born with and just they wake up every day try to find the stability for it. You are like, as I said, I don't want to get too philosophical, but. <laughs> Dude, I love this stuff. Let's talk about that. Awesome. Unless you don't want. Yeah. No, I mean, it's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm down. But, like, absolutely. It's, it's like your identity is not based on whether how much airflow power you have or anything. is. You, just you're a soul in a body. You're not a body that has an extension, exactly. ex- external soul, something like that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of problems, like, Arises from, as I said, from the ego. And what is ego, in my uh, like kind of sense of understanding, is that ego is the, the the identity of your material avatar, earthly avatar, if I could explain that that way. Because mm-hmm. in in like animal kingdom, as as you see, that everyone's trying to fight for the dominance, uh, to be the big guy on the top. And it's that kind of like animalistic instinct in in us that wants to be bigger than others and feel that power dynamic in a sense. Like, and a lot of people want to feel that. I don't know by being good at anything they can get their hands on online games, mm-hmm. chess, art, um, fighting. A lot of people get into like wrestling and martial arts just to feel better. A lot of people like New car, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people get into police force. Some- <laughs> From philosophy, I'm just going to political, what the hell? (laughs) A lot of people like, for example, a prime example of it is they go to police force just so they can feel the power dynamic of having a gun and authority over people. Exactly. And it also comes down to another thing. And uh, that's the kind of toxic culture there is right now, where we have this kind of like cancel culture in just our today's society. And it's been really amplified because of social media, because it allows a lot of people to have a kind of voice. And this kind of collective hive mind, like the fact that someone there's out there sitting there, they think they can cancel someone with fake evidence or just pseudo fake Mm -hmm. evidence like that, just a manipulative kind of gaslighting like that to bring someone who they're jealous of down, it makes them feel powerful. And the reason a lot of people do that because they feel small and insecure. And the reason that happens because their identity in their head subconsciously is based under earthly identity, not the real identity. So it's right. like a circle that if you just stem it all back, it comes down to the core of the ego. Absolutely.
1: And, and so if I could add to that with a story, all um, right. it was the eighth grade. I was in, sent. I'm not going to say which school, but I was in a middle school. And um, I was the only Middle Eastern person in the school. And so it was a town of, you know, uh, it was like white town, a couple of black people, but I was the only Arab. And so I already felt a bit out of place. And I'm not using this as a victim card. I hate when people do that. It's more just like, hey, just here's the setting. Um, but in my mindset, at the time, I was playing the victim in my head. So there was this, this girl who I had a crush on. And I've had a crush on her for like a year, like two or three years, ever since like uh, grade school. And um, she, there was this other guy. Uh, football player, white dude, great jaw, tall, big shoulders. And she really liked him. And they started dating me in that position. I held a lot of jealousy, resentment, uh, rage, blame, pointing fingers. And I even heard, um, you know, some people talking that they want to beat up that guy. And I was hearing like, yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah. but I didn't say it out loud, but I was excited that he was going to be Taken down, so that's the ego playing. That's the survival ego. Um, But it's like most people aren't willing to uh, admit that they've had those feelings because they're so pious and superior morally, you know. And so, you know, I understand because it's all it's in all of us, right? So in a way, we can at least empathize with these people who are wanting to do that, but it's still wrong. Um, And you're right. I think. Because if you take away the whole social aspect, if you're just a human on an island, you don't really need an ego. You just need food and you need to survive, right? And you might develop an ego and wanting to feel superior over some coconuts or something, like in Castaway, like how he had that relationship with the uh, ball, the Adidas ball. Wilson? No, the Wilson ball, yeah. Yeah, the Wilson. Yeah, and so the moment you introduce uh, interaction with other humans or other beings, suddenly, you know, we want to feel safe and accepted. Right. And so if, if you start seeing, oh, you're only safe and accepted, if you're, you know, providing something, whether it's sustenance, protection, beauty, entertainment, something you start to develop like, oh yeah, I can do that. And whatever it is that you're putting forward is the ego. It's like, here's, here's how amazing I am. I'm included too, right? Or you need to like my videos because I'm this and that. And so it is com- coming from a survival thing. And so when I when I think of ego, uh, I'm not always thinking about you know uh, the whole the selfie thing. I like, look how cool I am. Well, it's part of it, but it's more that we all need to survive and that's how it manifests in one way. And um, uh, actually, sorry, can you hear that? It's the air conditioning no no, no okay, it's good. fine it's fine there's no, right. background so yeah and, and so with art that for me my compensation was the art like I maybe I'll be accepted in the world because I'm such an outsider to begin with if I just prove that I'm this cool artist and that and it worked in middle school and high school I was known as the artist and uh, which is amplified worse if your family and your culture uh, isn't resolved with their own traumas. Right. And so that's why I think we need to course correct. So therapy, uh, you know, whatever means of, of healing meditation, uh, you know, going to Buddhist practices, I don't care. Just, we got to work on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, just to add two notes on that and to move on to the next question is a lot of like things like, negative cultural things that is right now present in not just third world, not just Middle East, but just in the whole world right now. I mean, I just want to give an example right now, Um, not to, you know, go off the course so much, but right now we're in July and it's Pride Month. And unfortunately, in a lot of countries, Pride Pride rules like, you know, people from LGBTQ community rules aren't really like, you know, considered. And I don't want to make everyone's mood like negative or I don't want to go details, but a lot of bad things happen to people from LGBTQ community in Middle East, for example, not just Middle East, even in U.S. right now. And, uh, for example, why did I mention Middle East is because one of the main reasons people are so like under threat, their livelihoods are under threat. There's so much hate crimes against them is because for example their family finds out that their son or daughter is gay, for example, mm. and well they're in their head they're like, Oh, our honor is under attack and we should somehow right. do something. And a lot of times these people get murdered by their families and relatives. Yeah. That's an unfortunate thing it's that happens. And it's all because of ego and, and all these feelings. And the reason that you need to hate someone so much because of
1: the Social way they're born,
0: it's just because you don't want to look small in, in comparison to the other idiots around you. Right. Like, right. sorry for, you know, getting a bit no, riled I'm, I'm up. No, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Sorry for getting riled up, but it just makes me so angry, this stuff when I hear, Absolutely. hear them. And, yeah. and just, and the second note I wanted to make is that... Um, in opposition to ego that a lot of people do things for ego like when you ask someone m- most times that hey let's play backgammon they usually say yes you know but when you ask them to play chess a lot of times they say no or mostly you know i hear oh you know what i used to play chess but i'm not good anymore and they re- and it's an ego answer because the winning or losing is important to them you know because oh, because i know if they lose
1: kind of random yeah, yeah
0: I, because if they lose it, it Subconsciously, they feel small against the other person. Right. But with backgammon, if they lose in backgammon, they're, they're fine. You know, it was luck, whatever.
1: Yeah, it's just dice, yeah.
0: Yeah, and the, the last point I want to make in this subject is that in opposition to ego, as I said, there's a love. And the primordial energy and the feeling of cosmic feeling and intention. Mm. So what I want to say, and what I want to end this, I'm going to end this on a good note and say try to be present in your head to see why you're doing something is it because you love this stuff because you love the process and eating the dirt and grind of it or do you just want the achievements and accolades and the big numbers you get or it could be money it could be Mm -hmm. followers it could be anything yeah like for example Uh, sorry sorry, yeah.
1: yeah i mean just to add to that it's like uh i think every human every individual I'd say has an obligation, an obligation to uh, step outside of wherever they are in life, whether it's you know university or with family, and go on some kind of retreat. Uh, this is like terrifying to most people to step away from their phones and disconnect, but to like step back, observe, and just take note of what you're doing in life, and just to, you know take. I know most people are like probably super busy in life, and they have work, and they don't have the the luxury of doing that. But I think taking a step back, even if it's just like while you're taking a shower and like thinking like, okay, who am I? What am I doing? What do I want in the world? Uh, why am I a part of this group? Um, do I really believe what I claim to believe and, and all that stuff? Because in the end, um, you know, it, it, we're all, you know, it's ephemeral. We don't last forever. So eventually you don't want to reach the, the towards the end of your life and regret not having taken a moment to like ask yourself, what do I believe? Why do I believe that? What am I doing it for? Um, and I think if you're below a certain threshold of like just needing to pay the bills, I understand like it, it's perfectly fine to pursue this kind of thing for money and like just to survive. And, um, but I think the whole ego thing of like, well, now they're going to see me as amazing. Like I've been there. And when I reached, let's say that threshold and like people saw me as amazing. it felt point, they felt empty. There's nothing there. Uh, like, okay, now I could do more than this person or now I made more than that person in, in, uh, this job or whatever. it means nothing. Like, I think, as you said, the, the foundation of all that is the primordial, uh, unconditional acceptance of each other with a caveat, of course, you don't always want to accept people who are abusive and narcissistic and all this stuff. So I think, uh, being self-aware, it is absolutely key and necessary.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just one last thing to add to whatever you said is that being alone is actually real helpful because it makes you mm. be alone with yourself. And a lot of people, yeah. when I say t- tell that to them, that they ask me how are you comfortable living alone. And by the way, I've always been comfortable living alone. I just never <laughs> never felt like you know it was a bad thing or something. But a lot of people, it was surprising for me that apparently it was an when I kind of did some research on that, a lot of people are afraid of who they actually are. That's why they don't like exactly. being alone. Yeah. And the the main thing is just try to find what makes you feel fulfilled. That's it. And the thing that makes you fulfilled is the thing that you actually love. So try to find that and just gear your life towards doing the stuff that fulfills you rather than the stuff that you think obtaining them fulfills you.
1: You know? Can I give an example? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I sure. totally agree. Because uh, in, in prior to Art Center, prior to being a professional and succeeding, my goal in my mind was very ego driven, which is perfectly fine. It's okay, it's part of the process. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be known as the best, and if there was a threat to me, I'm not going to associate with that person. If there's a chance that their art is better than mine, so I'd have all these like weird ego-driven rules that I set up. Um, and so, having been really good in the professional industry and on YouTube or whatever, as I said before, it's it reaching that top doesn't feel like what I wanted it to. And it didn't solve anything. It didn't heal the the traumas and the pain that I've carried my whole life. Um, then I realized that it wasn't fulfilling. And as I navigate, I find the thing that the things that are actually fulfilling is, I know it's cheesy, but uh, the human connections. And so I've, I've taken on some people, some students um, who I see struggle, like are struggling the way I struggled because, you know, certain people who had abusive parents or like, you know, didn't have the world fed to them very easily. And and so for some reason, I, I like empathize with that. Obviously I can't do that for everyone, but when I'm taking on a person and saying, look, you know, you our, our culture, because the person happens to be Middle Eastern, um, our cultures aren't very good at, giving us our needs, which is the, the unconditional love encouragement, because instead what he got and what we usually get is, uh, like belittlement, judgment, negative response. Like, yeah, you'll never make it. You should just become a doctor. Or, or what do you think everyone's going to think of you? you as an artist or, you know, and, and it's very hurtful to hear that from your family when you're like, Hey family, I want to do this. And they'll look at you and like, ugh. Really? Ugh, don't embarrass us. Just just go get a real job, you know, whatever it might be or, you know, if they've suffered from abuse. So for me, like, it's as though like we're all trying to climb out of a hole. Some people start off at the top because life is a little bit easier for them. Some people are pushed down in the bottom right when they're born into this world. Um, and I think coming from a war, you know, a ridden culture, uh, I, I sort of did as well. And so there was a bit of a climb for me. I'm, I, you know, I was when I left Iraq at two years old. We were in a refugee camp, and it, you know, it wasn't exactly smooth, right? Um, and it's fulfilling for me to make make things easier for people who I take on because it's like that kind of relief. In the same way that when Art Center accepted me and gave me a scholarship, there was such a <sighs> relief, right? And so to help, like. Some people with that is is the only thing in my life right now that's actually fulfilling, and I and I and it's it's what gives me purpose. It's, it's what makes me want to uh, re- do really well with the course so that I can help that person with with some of their bills and stuff. And yeah, that's that's actually fulfilling, not a Maserati or a Tesla.
0: That's actually such an interesting story. Being... For two years in a refugee camp, you said you were two years old. Nope. Anywhere, or we, did I mishear something?
1: Uh, I was two years old, and we All were right. there for thirty days. No, yeah. Oh. So we left Baghdad and during Desert Storm, and um, yeah, we were there for thirty days, and we, we were at a refugee camp that was run by American soldiers. And um, you know, we we eventually got our way back. Uh, not back. We got our way to the states as as a refugee. So. Uh, we were there was a photo of us in the New York Times as like a, a family that All got right. away kind of thing. Yeah, oh, I was a little little kid. Yeah, There's <laughs> some funny stories. Like the only memory I have of the actual camp, there's a couple. Like there's this one where they're they were saying, "Oh, get back inside the tent," and then like there was a dust storm coming, and I remember mm-hmm. the helicopters taking off, and the dust was just going over everywhere. And I should do a painting of that. Uh, and then there's another memory. I was with my brother. We're just walking around the perimeter because there's nothing to do. We're just looking Mm -hmm. for stuff to, and so uh, there were these plastic uh, sporks. It's like a fork mixed with a spoon, Mm -hmm. and we would open it up and like go sit on the edge. And the tanks would go by, and like they would wave at us. The the American soldiers would wave at us and give us candy sometimes. And so we would like take rocks and like fling them at the tanks, and they would just like laugh at us. That's really all I remember. But um, and that and there was a when we actually left, we were going on this bomber plane to. To fly to Germany then to some other place and then eventually the states uh, it was so loud and you know because like the, the engines were going and it was it's like it wasn't like a, an airplane where there's like seats that are just regular it's like in a military thing so you're on the side but as as we were embarking onto the, the plane, Uh, There was this big bag of these colorful earplugs and they're meant for your ears because it's so loud. I thought it was candy. I'm like, I I was sobbing and crying. I want to eat it. Give it to me. And so, that's the third memory I remember from that. So, that's... All right. It's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah.
0: And... All right. Let's move on to the next subject. Um, Now, um, I want to know that what is your main branch of... Oh, wait. Oh, wait, I just asked that. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Uh, All right. The next question is, how does your design process usually go anytime you want to start working on a design project? It could be a commissioned work or your personal work. How does your design process go? What steps does that consist of?
1: Yeah, there's a couple ways I go about it and a couple ways to do it. Um, I could talk about how I did it when I was at a studio and... Like, for example, when I was at ArenaNet for Guild Wars 2, designing um, characters and costumes and stuff, uh, you know, they'd give me a theme such as uh, Reaper for Halloween. That was before Overwatch. So we had that before that. And so I had about two or three weeks to come up with a design so that it's released for Halloween. And so for me as a design process, I would just start researching, looking up. Halloween pictures, pumpkin heads, skulls, uh, a scythe, uh, taking the design language from, from a scythe. And uh, if you go to my website, you can see my design for it. And um, I would just start sketching and I would do a couple sketches and, and and ideas and I'll take a couple further and I'll say, oh, that's cool, but I'll go to a different one. And I, m- the key element that I would suggest for any design process is having multiple ideas and jumping between them, because if you're stuck on one it's like you're polishing this golden egg and you 're so precious with it, but having multiple designs that you're working on uh, allows a, a fresh eye to happen every time you look at it, so I think that's a sort of a life hack for our concept artists um, nowadays it's it's similar, so there's a lot of research involved like um, i'll just have a pinterest board or I'll, I'll make a pure ref board of, of, of a mood board or some specific reference or if I'm gonna do a portrait and I and I know I want some like expressive hands I could try to make it up but I'm gonna get some photos first of them, some really nice hands doing some like obvious finger gestures so a lot of research um, reference I know there's like this weird Weird group of people who are saying you should never use reference. I'm like, you are absolutely like stupid. I'm sorry. Like, and then they might argue. Well, look at Kim Jong Un. He doesn't use reference. My dude, that dude looks at reference all morning before he does those things, and he has a lifetime of a mental library of things he studied. He's not making it all up. And I don't. Know, I think people are. Obnoxious, trying to, like you said, be above other people and play this hierarchy elitism game. And it's like, who cares? Just make the art, you know? And so, uh, one last thing I'd like to add for the design process, and this is probably very integral, and it's that you, you got to go for a walk. You go for a walk or take a shower or something, because that's when the best ideas happen. Because if you're sitting in front of your screen trying to draw the best design, and you come back to it, maybe get some coffee, you're looking at the design. But the only thing, the only input there is is your design and your reference. But if you're walking, uh, there's actually um, a study about uh, your brain waves. I think it's uh, theta waves that are engaged, especially when you're taking a shower, and. When those when when your brain's at that frequency, you're you're at a relaxed state in such a way. It's the same kind of um, um, brain waves as when you're having a REM cycle and sleep. And when your brain is in that place, you you can kind of look at things from a different angle. You can think about different ideas, and that's I believe where creativity really happens. It's not just oh here's the perfect reference. Let me draw it. It's letting your brain be in a position where you can optimize your design, optimize your story, your layout, your words, your title, whatever. And so going for a walk, exercising, uh, looking at nature. I like two days ago, it was raining here. So I opened my door and I just sat in like at the porch, like looking at the rain. And, and that, that gives me way more creative input than, and, and feeling than looking at a very cool image on art station.
0: Yeah, that's actually such a good point. And just to add on the take a walk thing you just explained is that I think the main point with that is that when you're in the shower or when you're just taking a walk, as you said, um, you're kind of in the flow of doing that. You, you, you're you not really thinking about anything else, you know, because you're focused on just washing yourself or just walking. Or mm-hmm. And I think that flow state is a thing that really releases a lot of potential in your mind and actually just Mm -hmm. a fun fact i just want to say that about the experiences i had with this and how important it is like i think you two really distinct ones happened two years ago in summer um i was having a lot of problems to come up with the logo for my podcast which which Mm. for anyone who's listening right now that if you see the logo how i came up with that is I've been stuck with designing the logo for it for like a month, for e- months, for a year at least. Mm-hmm. And I one day I was going for a run and I ran like eight, nine kilometers. And during those runs, suddenly, it is so weird, suddenly an image, a formation popped into my head, like a crescent and just three lines ahead and i was like wait what is it and i just like, it's its kind of like a flash of inspiration and then when i got home quickly mm. after shower, i just opened up illustrator and i just tried to replicate that it as much as i can yeah. I, i'm not kidding then i yeah. uh, polished it up and it's what's on the profile picture of the podcast the the whole courier brand thing logo uh,
1: yeah yeah that, that's exactly it it's giving your brain a chance to give its input because i think the ego tries to do the mm. driving but once you let your like natural sense of whatever when you're in the zen flow state of, of driving or running one of my favorite things to do is do really long r- uh, road trips like across the whole country and oh boy the ideas that come like oh like sometimes i want to pull over and just like do a whole project on the side of the road um i actually went to your instagram to look for the logo because i want to see it um and oh I yeah it's I'm on my following. instagram so sorry no it's fine, it's but fine. Now I am. No, it's fine. I got you. Thank you. Courier? What, what does that mean?
0: Actually, it has a funny story. It's not funny. Why did I say funny? Interesting story. Um, so my favorite video game on Fall Time, which is still is today, is Fallout New Vegas. And um, in Fallout New Vegas, the title of your... It's a role-playing game. And the title of the protagonist that you're playing is Courier Six. You know, because we're the sixth courier that we're supposedly you know needed to deliver platinum chip i'm not going to go into the lore of the game sorry yeah, yeah. and so i love the word courier I, like i just want to do something with it but it looks so bland and flavorless and it's it's like what you want it's courier is the name of a like i don't know delivery company something oh, like smell. that yeah, yeah yeah but i was like how does one make something like this cool what would ed boon do For those of you who don't know, Ed Boon is one of the co-creators and the big brains behind the whole Mortal Kombat franchise. Write every word that's with C, with K. And there's (laughs) Courier. Yeah. You know? That's funny. Okay, cool. Yeah. I see it. It's a nice logo too. Yeah, thanks. And Courier, like initially the first it was going to be, I had in mind and I still have to like one of my big ex- aspirations and dreams is to have my own fashion brand, you know? I love t- I love t-shirt design and stuff like that and initially I, f- I first made a page for my t-shirt designs. Mm. And the reason I picked career because I was like every t-shirt is the career like the actual career of a meaning that you're wearing. You know? So in a sense okay. like I came up with like some sort of dynamic like that with it.
1: Cool. Yeah. It's cool. And that's it's, like, it's also an idea that you're delivering a podcast you're delivering our message so exactly it, it's got like a lot of meanings and every cool. guest
0: is a career career of a message see it works yes. really well with stuff <laughs> clever aren't you
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of people on the podcast it's cool
0: yeah we're actually episode seven right now and a funny thing is that in the beginning of the year 2021 my first episode was episode 14 with renee sheffins and i was like i was writing down my you know long year resolutions and i was like with podcast, if I could get to episode fifty, that would be a huge achievement. And uh, mm. um, we're at episode seventy, and we haven't even finished the first half of the year. There you, there you go. Yeah. I'm um, um, congratulations, man. Thanks. And cool. um, actually, I I love doing it. That's one of the things I want to mention. On top of the whole mm. ego thing we just mentioned, I'm not doing it because for the sake of followers or anything. I'm just doing it because I genuinely love talking with you know artists and learning from them, no. and also sharing it with other people because I think. Um, I think I'm sure I'm not the first person who asked you for a podcast. You're a longer guy in the industry, artist in the industry. But like, mm. imagine there's a lot of like small artists, you know, that are not recognized and they might have some sort of nugget of value in them, you know. Mm. And like oh, yeah. I and the thing and the main thing I'm going with that is that everyone has something interesting we can learn from. And mm. like when I invite someone, I don't care about their followers or anything. I have people who yeah. even had like 46 followers, you know. Because I, because I liked something. If there's a creative juice mm-hmm. in someone, I want to talk with them. Because I'm sure yeah. there's something unique insight and perspective on things they have, you know, right. that we could all That learn totally from.
1: makes sense. Yeah, because uh, I think if you're in the mindset of clout, followers, uh, you know, being attached to big names, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're only interviewing PewDiePie only. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's like it misses the human element. Yeah. It's like if you play the game of uh, like only top artists only or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you do miss out on like just like getting to know people and and seeing what the our, us regular people have to offer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's time to pray.
0: oh yeah you can actually hear that (laughs) I haven't heard that in so long because I'm in America oh it's kind of nostalgic for you then
1: (laughs) yeah I was in Egypt uh, before when I was in high school and That that was the only time I heard it like outside like that where it's normal.
0: Yeah, in Sunni Muslim countries, you you hear it five times a day, which is Turkey is a Sunni Muslim, but in Shia Muslim countries like Iran, I think Iraq is Shia as well, if I'm not mistaken.
1: A lot of them are, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the majority is Shia. I think think it's three times a day. Yeah, I think that's three times a day in Shia, if I'm not wrong. Hmm. And well... Actually, in the, the next part, I want to talk about some of the your upcoming projects that you have. The first one I want to talk about is uh, you're doing an NFT drop with Legend, if I'm not mm. mistaken. And for anyone who, yeah. who might not know Legend, or like their name of the brand is LGND, something like that. But it's kind of written out as Legend. Um, mm-hmm. Is a new solution, new substitute and solution to the whole Ethereum blockchain controversy, which is know a lot of people is one of the major controversies against it is that Mm. the nfts on ethereum blockchain are super like destructive to the environment which is technically not wrong they're not wrong um but legend provides like a better technological solution without me getting into too much nitty-gritty of the technical details they basically make it Mm. less destructive to the environment and That, of course, is super appealing and uh, to a lot of people, to a massive audience who want to get into NFTs, but they are afraid of the whole stigma of this environmental impact that it might have. And with that uh, achievement on Milestone, they managed to attract a lot of top artists in the industry, and you were one of them. Mm. Now, Mm. uh, I want you to tell me Your whole opinion about this whole NFT thing and also your journey or how you first, um, yeah, who first introduced you to it? How did you get introduced to it? And tell us about Legend. How did they contact you? Just the whole detail, all right? Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna be quiet. Yeah, sure.
1: Well, here's the thing like, so there was a time, uh, we all know uh, when Twitter and Instagram people were enraged about, you know, NFTs, right? We can call that. Uh, doomsday or something I don't know uh, regarding the environment regarding scams, pyramid schemes, all that stuff even like you know one of my best friends cynics he's he's very much not on board and like he made a video about it and we're we're still very good friends um, I was reached out to by legend a month prior to that so I had no idea that that was even going to be an issue and part of the the pitch that uh, he's actually um, a lead uh, concept artist uh, or art director at Netflix, uh, Ty. Um, he he reached out to me and I've met him before at Lightbox. So it's like we're, we have a connection and we talked about, you know, collaborating on on art and sharing knowledge and stuff. Uh, and so he reached out to me and he asked me, hey, do you know what NFT is? I'm like, a what? <laughs> and he said, so it's a non-fungible. And he, he gave me the whole spiel and I was like, why would anyone pay d- money for a digital item? That makes absolutely no sense to me. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And he's like, I know, I know I was the same way and it took me months to wrap my head around it. And he like, and I, and I just, he so he said, uh, "Get you know, think about it, do some research and get back to me. And in that pitch, he talked about the environment issue that Ethereum does, right? And it's like to mint something, it takes like, Ugh, I mean, you've heard the numbers, right? A lot of power, uh, with this new blockchain that they've been developing for years, uh, according to what they were telling me it, to, to mint something, it takes the same amount of energy that it would for a light bulb to be on for, I think like two seconds, two or three seconds or something. And I was like, why would people be upset about that? I don't, It like, it takes more energy to tweet about how upset you are about it than it is to do the thing. Um, and it's like me having this light on right now is has already used up way more. Now, I, I haven't, you know, they, they haven't, they've also like showed like the, the comparison of um, the millions of user, users on the wax chain, which is what Legend is using compared to j- just what Facebook is using with Instagram and stuff. So it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think the environment argument is uh, really legitimate. For, for this blockchain. I, I do think it is for Ethereum based on what I've been seeing. Uh, and the, if you go to the Legend um, Instagram page, you can kind of look at the comments and say, hey, okay, well, what about the numbers, blah, blah, blah. There's actually somebody, I think his name is Brian. He's answering everybody and he's somebody who's like in the nitty gritty. And all the information that you want to see is on the website. You just have to learn how to read it, uh, not on the legend website, but on the wax chain website. So everything's public, everything you can verify. So going back to what we were talking about regarding our human need to have control over others for ego reasons and seeing these opportunities that you're left out on. And it's like, when that girl wanted that other guy, remember what I said, I was like, I felt inferior and, and insecure and I, I wanted that to be taken down, right? as an in, as an immature child that I was. So with this, I'm not saying everyone who's against NFTs are immature children. What I'm saying is, is I think there's something deeper in that like, oh, you have this fancy boat that only you're allowed on and you're going to succeed because of it, because you have a bunch of followers. I understand it's like, hey, that's really not fair. And I mean, implying that the successful artists aren't already having a bunch of unfair opportunities to begin with, you know, uh, I don't know. It, it, I think there's a lot of resentment happening there, but then there's that, the, the subjects, you know, let's say the environment thing is fine, but then there's the ideas of, um, it's a scam. It's a, it's a pyramid scheme and all this stuff, which, uh, Stan Prokopenko on the drafts and podcast addresses that. And I agree with everything he said on there. Um, and even, even with cynics is, uh, claims. like I I see where he's coming from in that video, uh, which I don't know. I I think it's all being blown out of proportion, uh, mostly because of the inequality that's happening. And there's going to be a natural inequality in terms of how everything's always distributed. That's how humans function. And it's like, well, no, everything should be fair and equal. Well, if that's the case, then you have to stop having favorite artists. Because you have a favorite artist, and you like their work, well someone else will too. And that artist because you voted for him by liking and following her work or his work, they get elevated. And once they're elevated, then things are easier for them. So it's like we all have to agree that everyone is equally the same or we have to all agree that yeah, sometimes we have favorites. Anyway, I'm not I'm not trying to use that as like a, a you know, a defense for NFTs, but rather I don't know, I just see it being blown out of proportion and like explaining it too is kind of weird Uh, because to begin with money itself, we humans made it up. It's just an idea. It's an illusion. Like if you gave me a piece of gold, I don't really care about it. It's just shiny, right? But because we agreed that this piece of gold is worth, uh, you know, uh, 20 meals, it's like, okay, I I, I agree that it has value now. Um, Same thing with dollar bills. It's just an idea we all agreed on. We made it up. It's just a system. And in a way, I know this is a very oversimplification of it, but NFTs is kind of like, it's code, right? It's just digital. And for some reason in this domain of wax or Bitcoin or whatever, the people there agreed that it has value. And because they agree it has value, it has value for them. And therefore it's tradable. Uh, Much like if you're playing a game. And you, you want a skin for your character to you that has value. And you agree, even though it's digital code for you, the value is you get to wear it on your character. And I, and I understand the argument. Well, you can't wear an NFT. I understand. Not yet. Uh, and so with, with NFTs, it's like, I don't, I don't fully understand why somebody would spend $69 million on one, but, uh, Eliza, she had one on legend and it, you know, I love her work and this idea that in this digital domain that is probably going to last for a very long time. Uh, she has a thing and you can be minted and you can have your name on it and you can support the artist. I bought one. I'm like, okay, I sort of understand it because I wanted to support her. Plus now I have like a contribution to this little thing. I still think it is all pretty silly and it's, you know, it may or may not last. Uh, it could be a, f- a trend or a phase right now. Um, but yeah, you know, early on before the storm happened, I I was like, you know what, sure, yeah, why not? I don't, I don't see a risk. I don't see the, the only, you know, when people say it's a scam, well, who's being scammed? You know, like me as the artist? And I don't think so. It's like I'm, I'm putting a mint. I still have the rights to my work and all that. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody wants to have it minted as an edition that they own, kind of like a stock share, then by all means, go for it. And I understand the whole, well, there's stolen art being put onto NFT things and people are making money off of that. Yeah, it's messed up. There's there needs to be policed. Um, but it's not like things aren't being stolen and done on Etsy or or eBay all the time. Um, and it's all a problem. I'm not championing that. You know, not nothing's perfect. But again, I, I think we humans are just course correcting, we're setting up new ideas, we're experimenting. Uh you know, if if what I was doing on the wax blockchain was like literally going to the ocean and shooting innocent seals in the face, like I'd be like, hey, hey, stop it, or like actually polluting and dumping oil into, I'd be like, oh, maybe I'm going to back off. But I don't know. Just charging my phone uh, takes more energy than than apparently what wax does. So. I don't know, I'm probably going to get, I've never talked about this before yet, so I'm probably going to get some disagreements and hate and like, well, actually, you're wrong because, and we're canceling you. Uh, Dude, I'm just, (laughs) I'm figuring, I'm figuring this out too, you know, like, you know, just chill for a sec. Let's see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, exactly. I got, I've got a couple of points to say about this whole issue, that's about the stuff you mentioned. Um, first of all, I want to get to the whole cancel culture thing. Um, it is so true. Actually, I talked to a lot of artists that came on the show and they say they don't want to get into NFTs because l- literally they're afraid of being canceled, you know? because even talking about it, sometimes they get a lot of hateful comments and messages that oh my god why are you doing this it hurts environment you've always been this kind of person i knew it you know messages messages like that you know and uh, i actually listened to the uh, draftsman podcast of the hmm. prokopenko about nft ones actually myself um i forgot the name of the co-host and uh, but he said something really really int- oh yeah he said yeah. something really interesting he said that people who are Against NFTs for the environment reason. They're not against artists making money. And the artists who are like on the other side of the spectrum are not they don't want to sell money as the cost of like ruining the environment, you know? So if the both sides calm down, just settle down and start listening to each other, they both want the same thing. They both want to save the environment and let the artists make money. And like Mm. If when dust settles and people would actually listen with the intent to understand, not with the intent to reply, a lot a lot of problems will be solved, honestly. But that's not the case unfortunately.
1: Well look at where we I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I mean look at where we come from, like Iran and Iraq. Yeah. Like I'm sure you know, our countries with each other were at war. Yeah, for seven and eight I was years. Growing. If I was growing up and I was told like, yo, those Iranian, you know, they speak Farsi and they use Arabic, but then, no, I too would have been like uh, quick to jump to like, yeah, 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 screw them. And especially if the social pressure is there. Um, but if I talk to you and we're talking right now, we're just, this, we're the same person. I mean, we almost look the same, you know, uh, it's like we, we're just people and I think I think the dehumanizing nature of social media is what's causing all of this because, you know, when Bobby Chu talked about it, everyone was hating on him. Not everyone, but a lot of people and saying that he's a sellout and he doesn't care. Like, all, like dude, this guy has done so much for the art community and, and you're just so quick to just hate him for a cash grab. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it's different because if those same people were in a room, and you saw the person who you think you're trying to cancel, you talk, you, which they don't want to do this because that humanizes the person. You, you wouldn't, it's very unlikely that you'd be like so aggressive and and canceling. You, you'd actually have an opportunity to see the facial expression of the person and have a real human conversation. But with social media, what you're seeing is pixels, a little icon, and you're hating the icon and the idea behind it. You're not seeing the person. and. Um, we we all dehumanize each other because of that, and so I think the whole cancel culture thing. If if people are doing horrible things, absolutely, I think there should be justice, and and um, there's you know, people have a right for freedom of speech and talk about it. Um, but if it's unjustified, and it gets carried away, and somebody gets fired for no reason, or or you know, they become a black sheep in, in, in a situation because some, you know, tweet from 30 years ago, not 30, but you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I I think the bottom line is despite how much evidence and justification you might have to hate somebody and, and be convinced in your head that they deserve to literally die. I think at the very least, what we have an obligation to do as humans is even for like two seconds, three seconds, a minute, put yourself in that person's shoes, empathize with them, even if they are the worst person in the world. Like, how did that person get to where they are? Why are they saying what they're saying? Why do I disagree with them? And just for a moment, try to see what it is from their their point of view. Now, there are people who I absolutely disagree with, especially like in certain, I don't want to bring up certain things, but uh, political things that are happening in the Middle East. And it's like... I, I couldn't eat for days when certain things were happening. You know, I, I couldn't think I, I was, there's so much traumatic news that like m- my heart literally couldn't take it. It was beating so fast for three days straight. And, you know, it was, it was recent too. And, and, you know, I posted one thing about it and people from both sides were like messaging me. And I felt like, I don't know, but at the very least I was able to talk to both sides. And because of that, I, you know, I see hope right now, we humans are very we're in our infant stage in our civilization. We are tiny, tiny babies. We don't know what we're doing. you know, so I think I do have optimism for the future because of these kinds of conversations and the conversations I had with who I thought were my enemies. <laughs> And, you know, just building on that instead of immediately going to the witch hunt and, and the tribalism and and the shaming and the gaslighting and, and like, uh, you know, tearing people down because of resentment and crabs in the bucket mentality, uh, I, I think I, I do have faith that we, our, our future generations will look back at us and think, wow, how primitive of them to hate each other for no reason, for, for such a stupid reason, you know, so... Yeah,
0: And to add something else about the whole NFT thing is that um, I don't want to get too much details in it and that much, but there's just one thing I want to raise attention to is that, I don't know, for anyone who's been listening to every single news piece that on YouTube or Twitter about NFTs, they probably know what I'm going to say, but... <laughs> The thing is, in two thousands, early two thousands, internet was at its you know very infancy stage, and it was just blog posts and just maybe a couple of pictures, you know, not much. Then in two thousand four or five, YouTube came and uh, MySpace came, and they were like, "Oh, there's visual media on it, and it's evolved." Then we were entering kind of the web three right now, which is like the NFTs, the VR, AR, and all of these other. Um, blockchain, all these other technologies that's coming and the trend is that everything is going more dig- digital and virtual and I don't know if you've heard about this Ethereum metaverse that's kind of like a game that people can go on, buy lands on and make stuff on mm-hmm. and yeah. the NFTs are going to play a crucial part in that in the future and what I mean mm-hmm. by that, the, the a lot of aspects of our life, whether we like it or not, it's going to be digital, alright, and Like, for example, let me let me give an example. Um, Imagine you're in that virtual world, you log on to your account on your virtual world and you meet your friends just like in video game, nothing new. right. But like if corporations get involved, it would get much more serious and advanced. And imagine they make a small city like villages and in that cities or villages are, for example, a Netflix theater and you can actually watch movies in that metaverse which is already happening in a game as an like a beta test in Fortnite, I think. That Christopher Nolan actually premiered three of his movies for free on like a Mm. Fortnite gallery and people could log in with their characters to the zone and it's like a huge movie theater. And it's not just that there's so much insane amount of possibilities and potential things that we can do with this technology that is just mind-blowing. But people just tend to see, they can mostly understand and criticize the whole oh someone's getting rich off it so it must be a scam you know and just out of Mm -hmm. jealousy or like petty stuff like that you know they Mm -hmm. just see the number the game of numbers they're about the game of numbers not the game of potential possibilities that there is to explore you know
1: yeah and it, it makes sense though like if i was back working nine to five if i was if i was working as a waiter or a mechanic like something that's that you hate doing and you're barely scraping by and you have family that you have to support, suddenly some artist just puts up one thing and makes a million dollars. I'd hate the guy, (laughs) absolutely. Like, really? This is messed up, this is why capitalism sucks, blah, 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 I'll have all my reasons. And so I can at least understand that. Um, But I I don't know how to go forward with with that human condition, Uh, do we just Go full, what North Korea is doing, which no, we should never do that. Uh, You know, how much suffering should everybody have to endure? I don't know. Um, Some people get lucky. Some people are born 6'2 with like a full head of hair. I I don't, you know, I'm I'm not that tall. You know, I'm 33 now. And uh, some people just have genetics that make life easier for them. Uh, if, If you're, you know, more attractive or have higher IQ or something. Which I know, there's the argument that IQ doesn't mean anything. it means something. It's measuring something, and if you're able to figure things out uh, on an abstract level for IQ, you can extrapolate that for business and scale things up. So there's there's correlations between that, but uh, I don't know. I, I think right now we're just we're still in our monkey phase, you know. Exactly. Uh, we, we have spaceships, but I don't know. Which I don't know if you want to talk about UFOs because that's pretty big right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you want, we can talk about them. No, I don't. Uh, well, I haven't really talked about this. Yet. I'm just I'm fascinated by it recently. I um, mean, I've saw I've seen all the interviews with like the Navy pilots and like their accounts on it. I'm like, huh, interesting. There's there's a misconception, obviously, when you say UFO, people think aliens. it just means there's something on radar on site that's doing things that it's unidentified. It could be a trash can lid flying. It could be a bird. Um, it just means we don't have data on what it is. But there's a lot of uh, radar data and sightings. And I'm like, this this looks cool. It would be so cool if we learned a little bit more about this. And uh, the Pentagon has been uh, releasing uh, unclassi- or declassifying certain things and saying, yeah, this is footage of this. We don't know what it is. and. Congress put pressure on them during the December COVID-19 bill saying that the Pentagon has to do a um, uh, whatever de- a declassification of everything or whatever they know about these, un- well, they call them UAPs now, un- unidentified aerial phenomenons. Um, we want to know what they are. Are they a threat? Uh, should we be concerned? What do you know? Are they from Russia? Are they from China? Are they from somewhere else?" And I'm like at the edge of my seat waiting for June 25th, like, what are they going to say? So they're just trash can lids. I mean,
0: <laughs> All right. I mean, since you're really interested on in the subject, I'm going to share something that I've never shared on the podcast and I don't think anything new you are online and, I, and I'm not bluffing actually. Um, I had a lot of people in my life, like older people than me that had sightings of UFOs in Iran. Mm-hmm. And of course, you could say, oh, th- there must be old or, you know, something. No, 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 not old people, no, no, just normal age as us, middle age, maybe forty. My English teacher had told us a UFO, story when he was 12 in the apartment complex where his family, he said like a bell shaped thing came, flew by and just flew to the sky. And I had a UFO experience as well. Oh. Yes, and I'm, I'm going to explain everything. I can I have the full details. So it was I think um, I was on I yes, I was on 19. It was the spring. It was the spring holidays in Iran. Like you know how in uh, west in Europe and USA you have like the Christmas holidays and but mm. in Iran we have a spring holidays because that's the spring is the first season of the year for us. Cool. And um, during those holidays we were I'm original from Shiraz. It's a city in uh, the south of Iran. And we, for the holidays, traveled to Siraf. It's an old, really ancient port city in Iran. It's like 7,000 years old or something. It's really old. And um, we, on our way back at night, um, and it wasn't just me as a witness. It was, it was my dad, me, my mom, my brother, and my aunt in the same car. So we were on the road. It was night. It was like, I think, 7, 8 PM. And something weird happened. like. Imagine in front of us there was like a saucer-shaped, green, bright as hell, thing, just maneuvered like this. Then it it wasn't like a normal plane or anything. It did, and it and it maneuvered a bit over there, then flew like this to the sky. I know, a lot of people could just call my bluff, but I'm I have I've no reason to lie. It happened. Mm -hmm. We we all looked at each other. I was like, what was that? And in the in the Second car back of us, it was my uncle, my second brother, and his wife, and they also saw it as well. And so yeah, I mean that was actually the only time I ever seen UFO. I mean like you, if it was just a thing that moved like this, I was like, "Eh, it's a plane or whatever. It's like it could you could even say it's an experimental plane, but it maneuvered like a three D thing. Like I don't know how to explain it, you know? Mm. And it went away. I wish I saw that.
1: <laughs> I mean, we, uh, obviously, it was a drone that they ordered from Amazon, and somebody yeah. was just with a controller. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Like, I, I, I want to see it. You know, like I want to see the 4K footage that they claim to have. But yeah, that's that's an amazing story. Like my, I'm not going to say who, but I also had family member in Iraq mm-hmm. have a very similar story to that. Mm-hmm. It was colorful. It was changing colors, and it flew in ways that we don't have technology to do so I don't know I, I'm you know with with how big our observable universe of 13 billion light years uh, no no it's it's long it's bigger than that but it's been uh, you know in existence for that long uh, I think it's like 80,000 light years long uh, or more than that but uh, th- it's hard to think that there's no such thing as something out there you know it 100% um, is. yeah I I it's like I I I can't prove it. So in the same way that growing up as a Muslim, they can't prove this the, the belief is it in that the
0: Quran is it mentioned in Quran
1: like that's how about everyone says in Iran or Iraq. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Well, actually, uh, the very first line of the Quran is um, "Praise be to God, the 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 ruler of all the worlds." Yeah. It's like, hmm. Hmm. And they're like, oh that that means uh, heaven and hell on earth, right? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, but that's if or if the religion yeah. is legitimate, so I don't know. Um, I, I'm in a state of curiosity right now. Uh, I, I can't claim this or that. I'm not, yeah. you know, we're in the middle. I mean, just an interesting
0: thing you kept saying in the podcast that try to emphasize with the other person. Now, we both, like my friend was listening, try to emphasize with the aliens, like that might be after, <laughs> of course why would you why in your right mind would you want to interact with this civilization that is so infant right now like we attack and kill each other just based off physical appearances We're that backwards like as a collective civilization
1: Mm.
0: and imagine like a whole different species and civilizations just came down i mean a lot of people would just blow them up for no reason for fun
1: well if, if they have the tech to get here I don't think we have any chance of <laughs> attacking exactly. them um, yeah I don't know man well here's the thing I, I listen to a lot of sci-fi audiobooks so my mind goes pretty far with awesome. these things um, and I feel like yeah if 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 what the, what we're seeing in these footages and stories and, and claims are extraterrestrial which would be very interesting and in, in confirming a lot of stories um I don't know I, I don't think yeah they probably wouldn't want to interfere it's like mm. us you know giving weapons to gorillas or something or, or like telling yeah. I don't know in terms of technology like why would they give us yeah, that? exactly um, or why would they want to be known or I don't know dude I'm not making any claims but <laughs> no, it's just I, a fun do, topic to talk about oh, no. yeah yeah yeah, I, I always have. I feel like I have to say these disclaimers because it's always going to be like that. People, Someone the people out the there, that like, no, no, person. Actually, all right, dude. Like, calm down. We're just having a chat as if we're just hanging out. You know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, and yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, lo- I love this episode. And it, it feels yeah. like a Joe
1: Rogan podcast at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so DMT and yeah, uh, Elk L- and- <laughs> yeah, yeah, the typical stuff. I haven't, I haven't seen a single episode ever since he went to Spotify. Because I don't use Spotify. Uh, no, actually, his, uh, some of his recent
0: episodes was really fun. He had, I think, David Lera for the third time. By now, it was a really fun episode. And mm. He still does fun. He, he actually changes his studio. He... It doesn't look yeah, like it was, that red alien rip cage he was in. Oh god, that was, that was horrible! Disgusting,
1: honestly. Yeah, all the contrast was on the background and not the people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to do a paint over for that, uh, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a really fun talk. Um,
0: yeah, and uh, I go for
1: hours talking with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly, we're not over yet. I mean, but if you have time time constraints, please let me know. Sure.
1: If you got more, we can go a little bit further.
0: And the next thing I wanted to talk about in the general art section was also an upcoming, not
1: upcoming anymore, the course you just dropped, the digital painting course.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the main thing. The most important thing. Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Well, assuming people didn't already leave this uh, talk because of the NFTs and UFOs. um, Yeah, on June 5th, um, four or five days ago, I've released my digital painting course that I've been working on ever since, like, you know a long time and, I, and I've been wanting to make this accessible for people because I um, I mean I have a YouTube channel or if you've ever seen my tutorials it's very straightforward and there's always people in the comments like oh my god I learned more in this seven minute video than video than I did in my entire art school or something you know and, and so I, I have a knack for teaching so I wanted to take my experience as a student at Art Center college of Design for entertainment design. Also my experience there as a teacher, plus the experience from working in the industry and then making this map of how you get from nothing to where you want to be. And so it's all the foundations and I walk through every single node of like, okay, you got, if you can't render a sphere and make it realistic, how the hell are you going to draw a person and paint that realistically? So we, we start off with basic shapes like, uh, you know, spheres and cones and stuff, and then work our way to the skull and then apples. And then we, we just, we just do so much and eventually get to a concept art project towards the end. So, um, yeah, it's been, um, and and I'll send you an affiliate link if you want to be a part of that and if you want to share it. So that'd be pretty cool. And yeah, it's, it's, so people are already on, on the community page. So we have like the, the lessons and each lesson has an assignment. You do the assignment and people share that on. It's kind of like Facebook, but mm. uh, not so cringe. Uh, and <laughs> you know they're commenting commenting on each other's work. And I have rules on there like don't don't critique people's work unless they're asking. You know things like that. And um, I'll, I'll sometimes hop in there and like do a little paint over and. Mm but that's not a guarantee but yeah it's it's been really great i'm very happy to see it flourishing
0: yeah and i just had a question how much is right now usually a college course for example on digital art or uh, concept design like that in usa like let's say small cheap community college how much would it cost usually
1: a small community college yes for example yeah the cheapest version i don't i don't know what it is these days mm-hmm. uh i could look it up but i, I could 7, 000, what, art
0: 7 something like that
1: yeah probably around that for for tuition um Mm -hmm. but if you're looking at an art school specifically for what i'm teaching like let's say at cal arts or art center or risd whatever uh i think i think it was cal arts just per class it's like five thousand dollars and you're taking like seven classes or six or seven classes art center is around four forty five hundred so four thousand and so the 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 cruddy thing about that is um, you don't know what classes you're taking. Like, so you can, you might have your concept art class, which you're there for, but you have to take art history, intro to modernism, some other BS classes that are there just because of accreditation. And people who just want the actual knowledge and to become a concept artist, illustrator, splash art, whatever, uh, in my mind, I'm, I just wanted to give them that stuff and so uh you know i have much cheaper options and and also payment plans on my my course so you don't have to pay the whole thing right away
0: yeah and the reason i asked that was that there are like three different plans for the whole course and like the complete edition for example which i think it's the thing i think that most people would gravitate towards um i'm just assuming is the whole thing is just 330 dollars The whole thing for digital, for mastering, like having the whole content you need to master digital art, whether, then you can choose, of course, which sub-branch you want to go specializing, but the whole thing is just $330. Like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, not just that, like, for example, there's another guest I had, actually, uh, a recent post you did was a reference photo of her, Rachel Bradley. She also does a lot of, uh, like, reference packs for sale for just so cheap, and they're so professionally Mm -hmm. made, and... Another guest I had, Diego Lucia, he has courses for figure drawing and just figure drawing and sketching, but they're so detailed and amazing for $200. So cheap, all of them. I
1: wish I had this when I was learning.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, of course, it's natural that I, of course, try to sell out as much as possible the guest that is on to, you know, make their sales go naturally. But honestly, genuinely, they're great courses. I mean, you could just give them a look. I'll I'll share them in the story so you guys could see it. And yeah. this isn't just me just trying to, you know, as I said, you know, mm-hmm. just say that like I'm being genuine right now for anyone who's Thanks. interested.
1: Yeah. There's three different tiers. There's uh complete edition. As you mentioned, it has all the course mm-hmm. uh, material plus extra footage of real time. Cause a lot of people want to see, well, the whole thing is already in real time, but they want to watch like for my actual paintings, like step-by-step step, actual new layer. How, wh- wh- what brushes like, okay. How, which angle is he painting? So like, there's a lot of that content, um, but also the complete edition gives you access to six classic Gumroad's of mine. So that's included. The basic is also there, but it's just without the extra stuff. Then you have legendary, which sold out within minutes. Um, it's way more expensive. It's like 1200, but that's with every week. I'm going to meet with these students and critique their work and, and, you know, have a good time. So awesome. Yeah.
0: And another thing I want to mention is that also you already mentioned your Gumroad, and guess what? Uh, your YouTube—I think you're one of the OG YouTube art YouTube channels because I think in one of your um, popular uploads, it was from 13 years ago that you were just uploading yeah. art tutorials. Like since what 2007 eight? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. And even if you don't want to buy the course, you can just go into Gumroad. Mm-hmm. There are like really cheap, like you know, sketch bags, brush bags, and stuff like that. And guess what? His Photoshop, his main Photoshop brushes are for sale for um, nothing, just uh, $0. So <laughs> there is no barrier of entry. You can just get that brush back and just go to his YouTube channel and watch the tutorials. So even, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, if you don't want to pay or not, don't want to pay, you win with Ahmed Daldori. Yeah. So you know,
1: well, it's win-win. Th- thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, e- even my YouTube channel, I have a lot of free educational content that people keep saying like, thank you so much. Like, I, exactly. you, know, I, you know, but I did that on purpose. It's like, I wanted options. Like there's this free stuff you can learn and there's stuff <laughs> that I want to put out there so that I can buy some food. you know. Uh, so yeah.
0: All right. Uh, two last things before we wrap things up. Um, first, any advice and tips for a good portfolio
1: and a resume for artists? Oh man, I should just make a video about this. Uh, because I get that question a lot. I don't know. I, I, it depends on what you want to do. I, I'd say try to be smart with with what you want to do. Like if <clears throat> if you just want to get a job, uh, you know, pick something that 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 is likely to be hired for, such as like maybe there's a mobile game company or or something that that you could do illustrations for, or maybe you want to work at Blizzard or Riot, as most people do. Um, what I would do is, if I wanted to get a job there, is I look at their content, reverse engineer what I think is, is their design language, really study it, do copies of it so I become familiar with the color palette, the shape design. Um, and I would, I would ask myself, what would, it, what would a project look like as a sequel to that world or a prequel to that game and then make that? and submit that as your portfolio and keep it to 10 to 15, maybe 20 pieces. Don't, don't try to overload everything. Cause when I was at arena net um, on Guild Wars two, we would get applications. And I was part of the, you know, the art team. So we'd kind of look at it. And if, if there's just too much stuff, I'm like, I'm, and it's, and it's, it's more quantity than quality. I'm not really intrigued or impressed. It's like, how are we, how are we going to use this for our, Project, and so you have to bring something to the table that's re- that's useful. So, for example, let's say like, okay, well, I, w- I just want to do uh, pretty illustrations. Well, pretty illustrations isn't really going to get you a concept art job. A concept artist is saying, okay, well, I have an idea. Here's the concept. And I'm going to flush it out like this. Here's what it looks like from here. Here's what it looks like in game. Here's how I would model it. How many, you know, maybe go as far as to like model it. I don't know. Or hire a 3D artist or collaborate and say, hey, look, I bring this to the table. I think I think I would be a good um, candidate for your project kind of thing. And that could be for anything. That's if you want to work for a specific company or, or games in general or movies. Uh, look at the projects they have and then expand on them. There's that. If, however, your portfolio you want to do for, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know, just your own kind of style and artwork or whatever, maybe you want to do the entrepreneurial route, do YouTube, I, I'd say make your portfolio be whatever you truly feel is you. You could say, oh, well, everybody likes pretty girls with room light on them and with like some glow and color dodge. Cool. Yeah, that works. It's guaranteed. Sure. Fine. But... It's really obvious when, when you're copying the big names and people can tell. And, and so like, I mean, just, just scroll through Instagram or our station. Like you, you, you any, anybody could say, oh, that person's just copying Sam does art or that person's just copying Ross draws and which is fine. Maybe that's, that's your way of starting, but I think develop your own voice, your own style you, and which how do you come up with your own style? I have a video on that, but basically it's, 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 it's a result of a lot of mileage by doing different studies and letting that influence what you do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, resumes, I don't have any <laughs> advice for that. Uh, when I was looking at portfolios, at I didn't read anything. I just was looking at the art, but I, I think that the actual HR departments and and people, they probably do like it if you have experience. But for me, if I was hiring for a project, and I can see that this art, this design, the turnaround, th- this would look amazing in the game, like oh, we could we could use a, a brain like this, somebody who's coming up with these concepts, yeah, let, let's uh, give them a shot and like hire them for two weeks and see what they do. So, yeah, long winded.
0: Um, I think I did something by mistake. Could you? I think your microphone is muted now. I try to unmute myself. Could you see? Oh yes. Yeah, uh, can you hear me now? Yes, I yeah. can hear you. Sorry. He panicked for a second. Yeah. Now, that's actually the first time in that happened in over seventy episodes. Oh my god. It's the UFOs, dude. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm messing with my brain um so uh thanks so much for coming by with everything that's been said and done to conclude i'll be discussing. could you please give us a roadmap for someone who's zero in visual arts and wants to get to the place you are in terms of skills of like where to start best books and actually one thing that i really loved about the stuff i saw on your youtube channel you recently uploaded a video of i think promoting your digital art course why you need a roadmap something like that which kind of animated the whole thing of concepts you need that was so brilliant yeah Yeah. thank you you could maybe break down (laughs) that i mean if you want sure
1: can i actually share my screen
0: uh, i don't think you can on Zencaster, unfortunately
1: yeah uh, that's a, i can change my camera yeah i mean are you gonna edit this by way, mm-hmm. or you just upload it raw
0: um but that camera hasn't changed it and i think you have to uh like pick yeah it it pick in. yeah so that's a bummer but i should actually try to yeah, learn no. how to record podcasts on discord so you know that i think would be better
1: Discord uh StreamYard uh, StreamYard is pretty good too. Uh uh, because then you can share screen, change whatever, uh add a bunch of people if you want. Um yeah, but I, I could talk about it and um I don't know if you're gonna add video over this, but um you know, the roadmap idea was like because on YouTube alone, I could say you could probably get a full art education on YouTube for free, but where do you start? Who? Where? What? What, do you, what are you supposed to learn first? There's, there's literally millions of videos in the art community. So, since I've been through it all—not not the videos, but been through the process of going from nothing to a professional—I um, know what you need, and so I made a map, and it's it's a very fundamentals-oriented map because that's what you have to start with. Like I said earlier, if you can't render a sphere or an apple don't bother trying to do a character, do this sphere first. So, um, you know, the first part of the map, you're, you're walking through, uh, the, rendering shapes. And then from there, rendering, um, uh, cubes with colors so that you understand color theory from there, we're going to painting apples, then skulls, then all the way to shape design and, and, um, uh, understanding values, how to push and pull light and make the illusion of a of, of form on a face. We studied the facial features all the way to, um, you know, uh, stylized studies and master studies of like how to actually look at an old master painting like from John Singer Sargent, breaking it down. These are all the things that if you do a lot over time, you'll have the tools in your uh, inventory to actually pursue what you want. I'm not, I, I can't claim that this roadmap gives you a job. what I'm saying is watching a speed paint tutorial by you know some fancy art, like artwork isn't going to get you there. What you actually need is the foundations. So you know the roadmap is foundations first. have that in your inventory and then slay the dragon. and so that's why I'm putting the concept art project at the end of that roadmap. and I think what I'll do is maybe a sequel course of just the concept art stuff. so uh, yeah I hope that answers your question. All
0: right, awesome. Thank you so much for coming coming on the yeah. show. And where can people contact you if they had a question or just wanted to say, hey, I love your works. You know, where's the best? Uh,
1: just Instagram, uh, Ahmed elduri underscore art. That's a good one. There's also a uh, email button on my Instagram if you mm-hmm. want to send a message to that it goes to my business email. But uh, I can't promise I can get back to everybody because I've been getting a lot of messages this week because of the course. But yeah, I hope to see you all there.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for coming by. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. I know this podcast was a wild ride. We went through NFTs, (laughs) UFOs, um, ego, and philosophy and all that. It was actually a really fun episode. This This one, I'm really glad it happened. And well, see you guys in the next episode. Bye.
1: All right. Bye, everyone.